Hello, City Hope. Everybody good? Anybody asleep beside you? You got kind of quiet, didn't you? Yeah. It's great to see you this weekend. Thanks for being with us. Hey, I want you to do something for me. You may have seen this in the AV, but I want to... We're we're doing this year our first 5K. It's a race for hope. And we're really... yeah. Those are the runners. The ones who are not runners say, I can't do that. But this is, this is geared for family. We did a, a mile run, and we're doing a half-mile run. Because I, I, want my, I want my grandkids out there, and I, you know, I want to walk with them and run with them. And, and the funding for this is going to uh, Wiley and Candy Gammon School in Honduras. Those children there are from the Bordeaux that they bring in, and they have to make their uniforms. They have to have shoes. And shoes are the, are the most difficult thing for them to get their hands on, a good pair of shoes. So... Uh, the proceeds from this are going to go to buy shoes for the children. Your children get a picture of a child, boy, girl. So we want you to be a part of that. Grandparents, you can be a part of that too. Uh, we actually put it on a date that you won't have any trouble remembering. It's April the 15th. <laughs> Anybody know that date? Yeah, okay. Okay, <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 11, uh, Hebrews 11 and Ephesians 2. Hebrews 11 and Ephesians 2. I want to begin this new series, and if you missed last weekend, I encourage you to go back and pick up and listen, because there's a couple little snippets in there that kind of spring into this. Uh, Most of you know that we're living in what we call the New Testament or the New Covenant. We also know that we can learn a lot from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel kind of represents the church, and Egypt kind of represents the world or either our life before Christ. And so there's also a promised land. And we talked about that last week. We know that the promised land represents the promises of God. So for us, maybe understanding that phrase promised land better would be the word blessings. So as believers, the ultimate issue, the ultimate blessing is eternal life, right? That means you're going to live forever with the Lord. In the Bible, the promised land often describes future blessings, uh, blessings of your spiritual life, the, the promise of blessing for Uh, you as children of God are endless and God has specific interests in each of us. We all have a unique inheritance. It's individual. It's your destiny. And God longs to accomplish that in you and through you for his glory. It also includes physical blessings and material things. God has set aside each of these for us. They're also included in the elements of our personal blessing is our God chosen spouse and our God given children. And through our family, the blessing deposits in which he places in one generation can be passed to the next generation and beyond. I talked a little bit last week about generational blessings and things. So it it can be passed on. Here's the problem. Uh, To me, the problem is many of us never take possession of the blessing, at least in this lifetime. We're we're just going to wait until we get to eternity. But, But you see, possessing our blessing means 
that we, we can't actively take what's ours now. And, and we know that Israel went from Egypt into the promised land, and when they got to the promised land, uh, they met obstacles. The song we sang a minute ago about going, God parted the seas and we went across on dry land. They're going into the promised land. And, and we too, we, we, we have said last weekend, the Lord is impressing on me that City Hope Church last year was a year of crossing through, crossing through. God opened the waters and we crossed through and we're in the promise, uh, our destiny, the, the name change set that in motion. You, 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 can, you can listen to it and pick it out. So God's blessings, here, here's the series, are yours for the taking. His blessings are yours for the taking. Now, remember Joshua, when the children of Israel are crossing through, they're, they're going through to their destiny, and they're taking ground, they're advancing. So anytime you're, you, you are going to uh, move into your destiny, your blessings, you're, you're, you're going to advance, but you're also going to find an enemy. You're going to find an enemy. There's an enemy there, and the enemy doesn't want to give up your promise to you very easily or freely, and so you have to drive the enemy off your promise. So the first battle they cross through with Joshua is they, they cross through to the promised land, and they face the walls. They face the walls of Jericho. Next week, we'll talk about the walls of Jericho. This message is a message of foundational uh, establishing this whole thing on faith, because I really believe that one word for our church this year is the word faith. So I have to establish this. And, and, and what we do when we're in life and we're trying to get into the purpose and advancing what we're trying to do, we're going to find enemies are challenges and challenges can frustrate us and discourage us. And, and because sometimes we don't know what to do. We're facing a wall. What do we do? How do we get past it? Well, the most important thing we can do is when we hear God first is hear God. Second is obey. At the end of the day, all God needs is our obedience. It's simply that. So when we obey, God, he takes care of everything. He, 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 he's, anything that's in the path, he takes care of it. And, and he's told us, listen, obey me. There are promises for you. There are promises for this church, but those promises affect you. There are promises for you in your house, your business, your children, and your children's children. They're for you, and, and, but they're there for the taking. But to obey, that's, that's what they did. Joshua, you know, march around the walls. They had to obey. To obey, you have to have faith. Well, to really have faith, you have to understand faith. So I want to look at the verse in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Many of you have heard this verse. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I've read this scripture for years, and, and it's one of those you can read over and over again, but sometimes it's still hard to put a handle on it. So I want to take it apart by the original language, and I want you, we're going to find a really good definition that kind of fits us, okay? The word faith in the Greek is the word pistis, and it means this. It means a firm persuasion, conviction, and belief. In other words, here's what faith means. I believe, and I'm convicted about something. I believe, and I'm convicted about something. The, in that verse, the word substance is made up of two root, root words, and the first word, it, it simply means under. The second root word means to place. So the word substance literally means a foundation under your feet. So that's, that, that's God is that platform of the things that I hope for. That, that's, that's the platform that the, the things that I hope for. The phrase hope for is really one word in the Greek, and it means to put your hope in someone, not hope for, but hope in someone. So watch faith doesn't just hope in something. Faith is focused on God. 
Faith is my conviction about God. In other words, the other words that it added in that verse is the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? That means the conviction to act upon what is not visible. Scripture says to walk by faith, not by sight. They are mutually exclusive. If you have sight, you don't need faith. Jesus said it this way, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. So how many of you, Mobile Campus, Foley Campus, Baymanette, Holman, how many of you believe in our gathering right now that Jesus is in our midst? Yeah, that's, that's what he said. But you can't see him though. But your faith gives you a platform to believe that what you can't see is real, right? But if Jesus appeared right now, you wouldn't need faith because we have sight. You only need faith because you don't have proof. Faith is only faith because we lack physical proof. So what I want to do in this message in establishing this thing, because I'm telling you, the children of Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness, and they come to their promise, and it's like, okay, we have to have faith. We've seen God do some incredible things, and, and, and now things are going to change, but we have to have faith. But I want to talk to you on the flip side about uh, fallacies of faith, about faith. I, I want to talk about things we think about faith, and many times they're just not true. It's just because in the Bible, most of us grew up in church, so we've heard this and heard that, and we've heard this and that. And, and so sometimes the understanding uh, you know, about faith isn't exactly what it should be. So to begin, I want to establish the foundation of faith in God. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to use the Scripture to establish that. Is that okay? Not my opinion, but the Scripture. Ephesians 2.4, here it is. But God, who's rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when, we're not, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace we've been, you've been saved, and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So our faith is in God in God's grace toward us. And because of his love toward us, he sent Jesus to die in our place, remove the curse of sin off our lives so we could freely have every blessing God wants us to have without deserving it. We don't deserve it. That's the basis of our faith. Another scripture about the basis is in in Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree, the cross was a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that's non-Jews, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Well, what is the blessing of Abraham? Well, let me show you in Genesis 24.1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. How many of you want to live to a ripe old age and be blessed in all things? I'm going to hold your hand up. Uh, uh, you're old or young. Okay, there's a few of you having to say, I don't know if I want that or not. Okay. Isaiah put it this way. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace. That word in the Hebrew is the word shalom, and shalom means total well-being. So the chastisement for our total well-being was upon him by his stripes were healed. So Jesus took the punishment, the curse of sin on his body so that we can freely now have the shalom blessing of God. The total well-being of the blessing of God in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that. And I'm not going to allow the circumstances of my world, I'm not going to allow the circumstances in the natural to dictate that I'm going to go and have faith in what God has said, and I'm going to believe it. 
So let's look at Abraham. And, and, and let's, let's go back to that verse, verse 14. And, and it says that the blessings of Abraham might become upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Well, who's this Spirit? Well, it's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's a he. And he's your helper, your comforter. He's also is the delivering agent. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the delivering agent of every blessing of grace in our lives. So by God's grace, every blessing of God is available to us freely without merit. And we have every blessing available to us. So it's yours for the taking. It's yours for the taking. The foundation of my faith is God loves me very, very much. Jesus died for my sins. My faith is in the finished work of the cross. He completely restored the blessing of God in my life. And now through grace by the Holy Spirit and putting faith in that grace, I can have everything God's promised me. That's the foundation of our faith. If you want everything he's promised you, that's the foundation of the faith. Then the scripture says we receive the blessing of Abraham. Well, did Abraham, did, 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 did he need grace? I mean, this is Father Abraham. I mean, we've heard about him. We, you know, we're, we're at awe. He, he was a great guy, did a lot of great things, an incredible man. But, you know, did, did he need grace? I, I, I believe, listen, let me say this about you. Everyone listening to me. I believe that you're great because you're made by God. I believe you're great because in, you're made in his image. God made you in your mother's womb to do something great for him. Greatness is measured in godly terms, not worldly terms. Young parents, listen to me. Greatness is measured in godly terms, not worldly terms. In other words, if you're raising great kids, you're a great person. Uh, if you're a good example of Christ in the workplace, you're doing something great for God. Greatness is not measured in a worldly term, in godly terms, and I believe that everyone listening, I believe you're great like Abraham. But the question is, well, was, was he better than us? Did he have a special position? Was there something about him? Did he deserve more because God did this and God used him? Abraham's the father of faith. Was he a different stripe than us, or was Abraham kind of like us and needed grace? Well, there are fallacies we believe about faith that just simply aren't true. And you may not believe in all these things, but you're probably going to believe in at least one of these things. You, you may believe in all these things. But I want you to understand that Abraham needed grace. And I want us to take and look at the fallacies about faith. Number one, not everyone has faith. It's a special gift. Many of us think, well, there's just certain people that God's going to bless with faith, but not, not everybody can have faith. Well, Romans 12, 3. For I say, through grace given to me, to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dwelt to each one a measure of faith. Every person has faith. Now, there's a gift of faith, and we talked about that in a series last year. It's one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's where God supernaturally enables you to believe in a miracle for a certain area, but that's a different kind of faith. There's saving faith and believing faith and overcoming faith, but every single person, God gave faith. In fact, listen... God gifted you the faith you had to believe in Jesus. The faith that you got saved by wasn't yours. It was a gift by God for the ability to believe in Jesus. Every person has been gifted by God with the ability to believe in Jesus and do what God says. Number two fallacy about faith. It takes a person of great faith to do great things for God. Well, let's go back to Abraham. I mean, he was a great man. He was the father of the faith, right? I mean, he, he, he was this mighty guy. He, he didn't need grace. He, he didn't have any issues. He was, no. 
In, in Genesis 12, 7, watch. Here comes God's promise to him. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I'll give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. So notice, he's just given him the promise. Here's your promise, Abraham. We're going to establish this whole Jewish nation and all of this land is yours. And here's your promise. It's going to be for your descendants. And here it is. So what's the next thing that he does? Well, he's having to travel to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. And so he's traveling down to Egypt and he knows when he gets there that the Egyptian leaders are going to see his wife because she's beautiful. So he turns to Sarai and says, listen, when we get there, don't tell them you're my wife because they'll kill me and take you. Tell them you're my sister. And so that's what they pull off. And Pharaoh believes it for a minute. Then he finds out, well, this is not true. He releases the wife and then he blesses the socks off of Abraham with all this oxen and servants and all this stuff and sends him out. And you would think, you know, well, what, what God said to him, this, this is your promise. It went in one ear and out the other ear. God made him a promise. And when he gets to Egypt, to, the, to, to this land, you know, he, he, he's there with a promise in his mind. But what happens to him? He has a problem with fear. And then he lies. And, 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 and he does it again. In, in Genesis 20, he tells Abimelech, King Abimelech, the, the same thing. And, and the same thing happens again. And, and here this guy, he just blesses him with oxen and sheep and male servants, female servants and all that. So first thing, let me say this. Being Sarah's brother paid well. He got rich. That's, that's how he got rich. He's, he's filthy rich. He got rich off the lie. This is Abraham, the father of faith. I know you've never did anything like that, but, but he did twice. It's the same principle with Sarah, when, what she did with Hagar, the servant he got from Egypt for Abraham. Hey, we're never going to get the promised child. Go ahead and take her and we'll have a child by her. It's the same thing that his promised child, Isaac, did with his wife, Rebecca. Same story, he lied about her. So, so what is all of that? that that's a family in, in, iniquity, and that is, where does the family iniquity come from? It's what mom and dad did that gets passed down. So if the negative can be passed down, I think the positive can be passed down. I think the promises can be passed down. I think the blessings can be passed down. So why am I telling this about Abraham? Because I want you to know, I want to establish the fact that Abraham was messed up just like us, all of us. Really? He was messed up just like us. Doesn't that make you feel better? It does me. Well, let's see what Jesus said about faith. In Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Well, normally they were referred to as the disciples. Somehow it's promoted now they're the apostles and they make their first blunder and they say to Jesus, increase our faith. I mean, it sounds like a good prayer, but they get rebuked. Jesus says in the next verse, number six, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots on and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. So the apostles come, watch, and they've been around Jesus a little bit and they got this bright idea. Uh, we've seen miracles and we've seen healing and casting out demons and, and all of this stuff going on. And we think we're ready for a promotion. We're ready to do something even greater for, and things for God. We're, we're men of faith. We're about to be the men of great faith. And let me paraphrase what Jesus said to him in that response. Let me put it in Alabama lingo. Okay. Jesus says, Hey, get over yourself get over yourself. You, if you have faith, the size of a grain of sand, that's the size of a mustard seed. If you've got faith, the size of a, you can speak and this and this and this will happen. You can do incredible things with your faith because your faith is not about you. It's about God. Take your eyes off yourself, get them back on God. It's all about God's grace 
and what he does by God's grace. It's not about me and my establishment of having all of this great faith and being this great faith person. No, you have faith. Use what you have. Listen, I want to I tell you a story. It's kind of a made-up story. And, and I used to do this with children, and I love to do it because it just kind of connects. And I had so many adults say, I, I, got, I, got it, I got the message out of the story. So I guess I need to start telling you more stories, okay? So it's a parable. It's kind of made up. So there was a guy. He's in the wilderness, and he has no food, no water, and he's dying, literally, physically dying. He's grasping for his last breath, and he cries out in desperation, someone help me. And all of a sudden, a man appears. And this man picks him up and replenishes him. And then this man takes him to another location and put him on a plot of ground that was incredibly beautiful. And the man said to this man who saved him, I have no money to give you. He said, no, this is a gift. And I want to share it with you. And the man said, this this is awesome. I I don't understand this. The other man said, "Oh, oh, there's more I want to give you. You just saved my life. There's more. He said, yeah, I want to give you. I have a pet elephant. Her name is Grace. The man said, you have a pet elephant? He said, not now, you do. I'm giving you my pet elephant. The elephant appears. This large, incredibly beautiful elephant. And she puts her trunk on the man's shoulder. And as if the elephant with her most beautiful eyes is looking at this man, and she is so massive but so gentle and so loving, and he said, this is grace. And she's going to help you get everything this promised land has for you. She's going to help you get everything that's on this land. And first of all, I want you to understand, she loves people, and she's so forgiving, and she doesn't remember the problems of your past. She helps you even when you don't deserve it, and she's very gentle. And understand with grace, this elephant, there's nothing impossible for her. She, she knows the answer to every question. She can solve any problem. She's yours for eternity in your promised land. And this man said, this is unbelievable. You saved me. You put me in a new place. And then you give me this gift. And, and, and then the man said, saved me. Oh, one more thing. Here's a little stick. A little stick. And when you need grace to do something, just be sweet to her. Remember, she's got perfect hearing. So you don't have to yell. You don't have to be dramatic. You don't have to shout. She loves helping people. She's very sweet, gifted, and spirited. And, and when you need something, just reach over and touch her with a stick. You don't have to hit her. You don't have to be forceful. Just reach over and touch her with a stick. And the man said, that, that's all? And then the man said, well, when you touch grace with your stick and she doesn't do what, what you want done, it's because she, she, she has a better way to do it. And sometimes grace won't respond the way you want her to in your timing. But here's what you have to understand. She has better timing because she knows everything. And if she doesn't do it your way, I mean, j- just remember, she knows everything about every promise in the promised land. And, 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 and grace is going to help you achieve the full destiny by grace. And the man said, I don't know what to say. I don't deserve this. And he said, I, 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 I know, I, I don't know, I don't know how to handle this. He said, it's a gift. And I'm going to come back later on. I'm going to check on you, see how it's going. So here's the man now in his promised land for free. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He cried out for help. The man shows up, helps him, saves his life, gives him a promised land. And then he gives this elephant, elephant with a stick and instructions on how to use it for free. So the man is overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed with grace because she's so sweet, loving, and sure enough, every time he asks her to do something, she shows up and she does it. It's amazing. 
There's nothing impossible for her. She knows everything about the promise of land and how to fulfill all the promises. He just reaches out and touches her with a stick and asks her to do something. Months go by. His life is transformed. Miracles are happening every day, and he's fallen in love with grace. And then months go by, and the man shows up. The man that saved him, he shows up and says, hey, how's life in the promised land? And the guy says, it's awesome. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. I'm seeing things. I'm seeing miracles every day. And the man said, was there anything else I can do for you? And the man said, I need to talk to you. He said, hey, Grace, would would you move over there so I can talk alone? So Grace looks funny, but backs up a little bit. And the man who, that has been saved goes over to the man that saved him, and he says, thank you for all you've done. This has been incredible. But I, I was thinking that I could get more out of Grace if I had a little bigger stick. The man steps back and says, Is there anything Grace hasn't done for you with with that little stick? Oh, no, she's been great. And remember, Grace has perfect hearing, so she's hearing this. She's offended. She's done everything the man asked with the little stick, but somehow he thinks with a bigger stick he can get more out of Grace. Listen, your God is for you. He died on a cross for you. He has given you everything freely. And it's not about the bigness of your faith stick. It's about the bigness of his heart. Are are you understanding the words coming out of my mouth? Here's what we say. I've had people say this to me. I want more faith. I want more faith. I want to be spirit. I've had people say, I want more faith. I, I, I I want to see the dead raised. I want to walk on water. Why don't you use the faith you have? Because you understand, it's not about you, it's about grace. It's not about us, it's not about our faith. It's not how big our stick of faith is. It's faith works through grace, but the emphasis is on grace, not faith. And, And listen, you have all the faith you need to get anything you need from God because he's for you, he loves you. You don't have to hit him, you don't have to beg him, you don't have to shout, you don't have to impress him, you don't have to do all these things that have been put on us in the natural to have this faith. You simply obey him. And that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples, just obey me, it's not about you. It's not how big and spiritual and mighty you can be with faith. It's simply use the seed that you have and use the faith that you have. Third fallacy about faith. And don't, don't run me out of here. Let, let me finish. Third fallacy, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Oh, now, Pastor Jerry, I know the Bible. You're in heresy now. Well, well just hear me out. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I, I'm going to come back and make this right in just a moment. But for right now, if your brain is spinning, uh, no, it's not true. I, I'm going to read some word to you. And if this increases your faith, I'm worried about you, okay? I'm going to read from the Bible to you. If this increases your faith, I'm worried about you. Leviticus 5.1, if a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell, it bears guilt. Or if a person touches unclean thing, an unclean, any unclean thing, whether it's the carcass of an unclean beast, the carcass of unclean livestock, the carcass of unclean creeping things, and he's aware of it, he also should be unclean and guilty. Or if a person touches human uncleanness, yuck. Whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled and he's unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. 
That really helped my faith. I'm being facetious. You can relax. The last group are all tense. Like, what's the catch? Leviticus 11.20, all flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you, yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those who have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth, these you may eat. That bless you? Leviticus 13.1, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron and the priest, or to the one of the sons of the priest, and the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of his body, and the hair on the sore is turned white, gross, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body. It's a leprous sore, and the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. You feel your faith going up? So here's, here's my point. I'm telling you, the law doesn't increase my faith. The law destroys my faith. Here's why. The law is about me. The law is always about my performance. So when the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, let's put that in context. So to do that, I'm going to back up to verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall we call on the name of the Lord they have, in him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not obeyed the, all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah says, the Lord who has, believed, who has believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, so let, let me say it this way. Faith comes by hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the law. I don't want you to see that we are moving into our promised land to activate what God's called us to do, and we're looking for some law formula, or we're trying to get a bigger stick of faith so we rise up to some level so there's one or two or three people that have all of this faith and all that. No, 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 no. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. The good news is, listen, you don't have to obey the law anymore. Your justification by God is not because you're perfect or not because you're right in your own eyes in your imperfection in all your flawed state god loves you and he freely gives to you everything through jesus christ and that's what increases my faith that's what makes me want to pursue god not the law not religion not all of this stuff See, when you read the Old Testament, you have to be careful because there are many blessings in the Old Testament, the the blessings of the history and the Psalms and the Proverbs and all, all that's a blessing. But the law, we're not under the law, so you have to be careful. Number four fallacy about faith. Faith is the answer to fear. Wait, wait, now, now, Pastor, I think faith is the answer to fear. Well, let's see what the Word says. 1 John 4, 17, love has been perfect, has been perfected in us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Then Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen, the reason Abraham feared concerning Sarah or concerning him dying and using Sarah to lie for him is because he didn't understand that God was an unbelievable father. 
His father, God, would have never allowed him to go into a circumstance that he would not have protected him. Listen, when I have been in fear, what rescues me from fear is not faith, it's the love of God. You say, well, pastor, you don't go in fear. Oh, my mind is attacked with fear day in and day out and day in and day out. But for me to get a bigger stick, for me to shout the same verse a hundred times or walk around my house a hundred times shouting it out, that's not what he's saying. He's saying it's all, it's, it's understanding that God loves me. He's my spiritual daddy. And wherever I go, he goes with me and his power and his love are greater than anything I'll ever face. And he's there with me and I'm never alone. When Abraham went to Egypt and went to Abimelech, he, he could have used all kinds of faith gestures, but it wouldn't have helped. I, listen, and I'm not, don't, don't hear me say, I'm not saying faith isn't important when you're dealing with fear. I'm saying the answer to fear is God's love. If you have fear in your life, you don't understand how much God loves you. That's what I'm saying. The answer is not more faith if you have fear. The answer is more love. When we focus on God's love, it changes us. I'm serious. I, if, if I don't focus on God's love, I can't love people. You can't. You, you struggle with people, you focus on God's love and go, watch what will happen. Your, your heart will begin to change. You'll start loving people you didn't think you could love. Number five fallacy about truth. Faith grows as we focus on God. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You, you mean we're not supposed to focus on God? Well, that's not what I'm saying, but let me tell you what Scripture says. Exodus twenty eighteen. Now, all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mo- mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood far off. And then they said to Moses... Uh, you speak with us and we'll hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. This is the God of the Old Testament. This is, this is not an intimate God. He, he lived on the mountaintops and there's thunderings and lightnings and flashing, scaring people. He lived behind a curtain in the Holy of Holies where one man, one time a year, may could go in and see him. See, no way, Moses, we're, we're, we're not going up there. We get killed or whatever. We're not going up there. If your concept of God is that he's angry at you, he's not a loving, passionate God, and he's a distant God, focusing on him with that concept is the greatest problem of your faith. And many of you have that concept. I know because I have that concept. I have to battle that concept all the time. That God's outdone with me. God's mad at me. God's put off. And many believe that, that he's not with us and he's out in the universe and he's not part of our lives and we're just going through the motions. We're just good Christians and he's really angry with us. You go back to Abraham and yes, he made horrible blunders, but God loved Abraham in the midst of all of his failures and blunders. God was with him. Why? Only God's love saved Abraham for all his failures. And if your concept of God is one of a loving, gracious, kind, merciful father, focus on that. If your concept of God is anything else, you have the wrong concept of God. And if you're focusing on the wrong concept, it's not going to help your faith. And I begin with the scripture. I'm going to end with the scripture, but let me tell you the paraphrase. Faith in your life will dramatically grow to the degree that you focus on God's love and God's grace. Did you hear me? You don't need a bigger stick. You need to focus on God's love and God's grace. Ephesians 2, 4. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Let me end with this. God loves you. He's rich in mercy toward you. Jesus died that the blessings of Abraham, the blessings of a man just like us, the father of the faith. He he had faith just like us. And, and, And I'm saying... You have faith that's been given to you, a gift from God. 
you have grace right now, and the Holy Spirit's with you. And some of you are in the, in the, in the place of the wilderness, and you're perishing, and, 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 and you're dying, and, and you need to cry out for someone to save you, and God's just waiting for that, for you to call out. And, and when you do this, listen, he's going ta- to save you, and then he's going to take you to a promised land, and then he's going to give you grace And the faith for that grace is what's going to operate. And everything is free. You may have to go back and listen to this again. I know I threw it. Somebody told me my sermon was like a marathon. We didn't have to have a marathon. uh, But my sermon's like a marathon. I, I know there's a whole lot of stuff to it. I know there is. But understand that this message is given to me before it gets to you. Most of the messages apply to me. And here's what God's applying to me. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're leading those people at City Hope? Just like, like Joshua, yeah, you're leading those people, but I'm their God. I'm the only one that can do these things that need to be done. But what we have to establish is this. We are in the promise, and I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I wish I could tell you all. I, I don't know what it is, but I know this. When we focus on God's grace and love and his mercy and not trying to build up a bigger stick of faith, and that's what's driving us. When we focus on God's grace and mercy, we will see him do the impossible, and we will stand it all just like the Israelites stood when they watched that wall fall to the ground, and they could not believe what they saw. But you're going to have to have faith to do it. And I don't know about you, but in me with faith, it was, okay, I need to go read that verse 29 times. I need to memorize the whole book of Leviticus. I need to do this and I need to say that because in our mind was put in more word, put in more word, read more word, more word, more word. Nothing wrong with word. But my motive has to be to go after grace and love and my grace and my love relationship with God. That's what's going to increase my faith. When I see God do one thing, when I hear one story from you, you guys tell me stories, you sit and start. When I hear one story, what's the story from? It's from your life. I hear a promise coming through. I see God doing something miraculous. You know what that does for me? That builds my faith. That's what builds my faith. But then I have to have faith because we're in a place now where God wants to take. I still have to have faith, but my faith is not built. It's built on the grace and the mercy of God. And, 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 and I, I can't get out of focus and look for a bigger stick so that we, we walk around like we're the faith church and we got it all together. No, 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 that's not what he wants. He wants you to understand that right where you are and right where you live, you have a grain, you have a mustard seed. And whatever you have, for God's sake, use it. Use it toward your marriage. Use it toward your finances, your business, your family, your children. Use that faith. But always come back to it's about his grace and his mercy. It's about grace, the elephant. Who has the ability to take us into our promises. That's what I want for our church. Can I pray for you after all that? Are you okay? Everybody breathing? I know, I took up more time, sorry. Lord, heal our concept of who you are. Heal our concept of faith. And help us to realize that we may need to bind the spirit of condemnation. We, need, we may need to bind the thought of performance and every thought of having to deserve your blessing. 
May we take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And what we say right now is that we serve a loving God and a gracious God. And you took our punishment so we could have the total blessings of God on our life in 2016. And it all comes freely by grace. And Lord, you have gifted us with enough faith to get all the grace we need. And we're not praying for more faith right now. We're praying that we'll see you as you really are so we can believe the promises of God that they are yes and amen and we can live an obedient life before you and we petition you with this in Jesus' name. And the church said, and the church said loudly. And the third time the church said,